welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. My name is Amy McDonald. I'm a yoga teacher and yoga business coach. I am so glad you're here. Enjoy 45 minutes of training for you and your yoga business. Hey, hey everyone. It's Amy McDonald here. Welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. This week I'm going to be sharing my top tips for preparing for retreat because I'm pretty much in that stage uh, in my own business right now. Uh, heading to Thailand in, well, actually two weeks now to teach the Abundant Yoga Retreat, rich, Abundant Yoga Teacher Retreat in Northern Thailand. Cannot wait! Oh my goodness, we're going to have such a good time. Hey, everybody who's joining me here live, if you're on the webcast, uh, type me a hey or a namaste or something into the chat box. Who is here? I want to see you and say hello. Hey, everyone who's here on the web call. Great to see you all here as well. Oh, fabulous. You know, I um, uh, as I've been teaching again, yes, and um, we added a new element to my Wednesday night yoga class last night, which was awesome. It looks like this. Yoga, 6.30 until 8. Excellent. Followed by... Trivia night at the pub, uh, 8 till 9.30. Fantastic. <laughs> I love me a good ritual. I'm going to see if I can actually get our, uh, our yoga class to have a table at the trivia night. Uh, super fun. Turns out I'm fairly rubbish at trivia. Don't know anything about TV, Star Trek, football, which uh, for a country Australia, trivia night means you're fairly useless. But I, w- I had the moral support, folks. I really did. You know, um, doesn't teaching just bring joy, don't you find? Isn't it just the most wonderful thing? I um, I have a sub- cooking up a surprise for you all, which I'm really excited about. Be on the lookout. We'll tell you more about it in the next couple of weeks. But I think you'll love it. And uh, it, it's involving um, getting to know a whole bunch more of really interesting yoga practitioners from around the world. I've been having great conversations with people over the past week. And something that we can all agree on is just the joy and pleasure that actually teaching yoga brings into our lives and uh, and the gratitude that we have for the opportunity to share yoga with more people. In my class, small room, there's 12 mats. Um, and so I, I, think there, I think actually I've got 14 people booked into the class. And last night, um, last night we only had seven people show up. And I was talking with the people earlier in the week that are in the Growing Your Yoga Business program who were feeling a bit disenchanted because their class sizes were fluctuating and sometimes they'd have 16 and sometimes they would have four and, you know, this was unsettling, didn't didn't make everybody feel good. And last night I only had seven of the 14 people who have actually signed up for my class. But here's the great news. Um, that That's not my business, you know. Uh, afterwards, uh, in between rounds of trivia uh one of my students said what happened where is everybody why is it that the class has only got half the people in it anymore and um and i i i I don't know i think two of the people they're moving house one person's done something to her neck someone else is running late from work but really um you know that that's not my business what people decide to do once they've just once they've signed up to my yoga my job is to show up every week with a class that I feel good about, that I've prepared, that I've pr- practiced myself, uh, and and teach my heart out. And if people stop coming, that's not my business. If I fulfill those criteria, prepare, practice my own class, and teach my heart out, um, the rest is 
is, is not my story. So for anyone else who might be feeling disenfranchised or, you know, bummed that your class numbers fluctuate, um, know that your job is to do the marketing and the hustle and, and, and share the joy and the positivity and the possibility of what yoga can bring to people with people in your community. Do what you know to do to call in all of the right people to your classes. And then from week to week, uh, or class to class, prepare, practice, and teach your heart out. And know that the rest is none of your business. If your class sizes drop to half, uh, you know, that's on your students. If you are prepared, practicing, and teaching your heart out, the rest is simply um, it's not your job. So please, folks, don't be disheartened if your class sizes are shrinking or if sometimes there's 20 and sometimes there's 10 or sometimes there's 30 and sometimes there's two. Uh, your job is to just do the very best you can with what you have from, uh, from class to class. And all of the influencing factors that may lead to someone deciding tonight is a yes or a no for me, um, none of that is is a reflection on you. Now, having said that, I was sharing this again, I was sharing this with the people in growing a yoga business earlier in the week. I've been teaching here pretty much since I moved here about 10 years ago. I've been teaching on and off uh, classes. And over that period of time, it's fair to say that there have been hundreds, if not over a thousand people. And I teach, I mean, my town has a population of 8,000 people. I'm not in a big city by any means. There have been hundreds of people who have come to my class once or twice and never come back. Never come back. They've come once and they've never come back. And um, th that's okay with me too. It has to be, right? It's like dating. You know, sometimes you think you're a great match, but the other person's like, you know what? I'm just not feeling it. It's not, it's not it for me. Um, <laughs> one of my students was at the pub last night. Uh, she she has a she she's not coming this term. She has something else that she does now on a Wednesday night. I normally teach on Mondays. Anyway, look, that's another story. Anyway, so so it was good to see her after class because I haven't seen her for a while. And she was saying that she'd been going to another yoga teacher's class in the gaps when I'm traveling and I'm not teaching. She she started going to another teacher. And I asked her, you know, how's how's it going? How's your yoga? And she said, Oh, Amy, she's soft. She's so soft. <laughs> Which I think is like you know her way of saying I prefer a stronger yoga asana practice um, and we were just kind of joking about this and, and that she would much prefer to come to my classes and I know for a fact that there are people who have come to my classes who go back to this other teacher because I'm too tough they don't like it they don't want to have to work that freaking hard they come to yoga for a whole other set of reasons they don't care about rectus abdominis they want to relax and they're not getting that with me you know all of this is good news too we're not going to be the um we're not going to be the right fit for everybody like i said folks hundreds i'm owning it hundreds of people have come to my class once and like hell no i'm never going back to that yoga teacher again it was terrible it was too hard it was too boring it went for too long it cost too much i didn't like the color of her pants who knows they never came back that's okay i recently overshare alert uh got dumped excellent as you do and my beautiful sister who I'm very fortunate enough to have as part of my team here at Amy McDonald HQ she gave me the sister talk you know 
when I'm in the, <laughs> I got dumped. She gave me the sister talk. She said, you know, Amy, you could be the juiciest, ripest, most beautiful peach in the whole world. And some people just fucking don't like peaches. <laughs> the same is true for your yoga teaching. Some people are going to come once and never come back because they don't like your peaches. <laughs> that wasn't a glute max reference. But you get my point. Um, don't be disheartened, folks. If you are listening in and you're in a funk because last night or this morning or whatever, uh, the same number of people didn't come back. If you are preparing, practicing, showing up and teaching your heart out, that's your job. And the rest is just not your business. If someone prefers to go to tap dancing classes, I lost like eight people. When the tap dancing, tap dancing for adults teacher in my small town changed the night of her class to the same night as my yoga class, like eight of my students were like, oh, shit, Amy, I'm sorry, but we're choosing tap over yoga. Okay, what are you going to do? Uh, not my business. You know, go, be free. Tap that shit out. Um, <laughs> it's not my business to, to – it's certainly not my job to beat myself up that I'm somehow lacking or not enough or that I need to modify what I'm doing or try and be what other people might want. No, my job is to share what I know to be true for me and to and to uh, be generous with my gifts and to leave the rest up to, to, to the universe, you know. So, folks, if you are feeling dis, disheartened about class numbers, please don't. It's just not your job. You know, not everybody likes peaches. Uh, I do. I think peaches are awesome. All right, so, hey, Susan's here. Uh, I'm not sure. Someone dialing in. I reckon that might be Tracy or Danielle dialing in on a mobile phone from Australia. Who else is here on the webcast? Type me some sugar into the Q&A box. Say hello so that I can say hello back to you. It's my favorite. All right, so let's jump into the topic at hand today, We're talking about retreats and how personally, this is my personal my personal tips. I've got one, two, three, four, five tips for how I uh, prepare for teaching a yoga retreat. So I've been teaching yoga retreats. Uh, I think I taught my first retreat like months out of my teacher training. Not even. No, it would have been. It would have been about four months after finishing my yoga teacher training. My first ever retreat was a weekend retreat, actually not too far from where I'm currently living. Uh, spa country where people go for weekends to eat gastro pub food and have massages and walk around the lake and feel romantic uh, was where I hosted my first weekend yoga retreat it was two nights and three days and I by the end of it I was exhausted I felt dirty I think I actually got sick I had to go to bed for a few days I did the retreat was a success people had a good time but I was I was wrecked uh, and it took me time to recover, and it really put a, a sour taste in my mouth for doing retreats into the future. Fair to say I got all of it wrong, all of it wrong. Uh, I've taught a bunch of retreats in Thailand. I think coming up this will be like my eighth or so retreat in Thailand. I've taught a bunch in Indonesia, in Bali, um, other other places as well. And so over that period of time, I've kind of refined down what I know I need to keep myself really well during that period of time during during uh, so that I'm really present uh, during the retreat and so that when I finish the retreat, I'm not maxed. Hey, Angela from Michigan. What's the weather like in Michigan right now, Angela? Bloody freezing here. Never again winter in Melbourne. I love you, Melbourne. Bloody cold. So here we go. 
here are my top tips. One, uh, before you go to your retreat, and I'm talking like the week before, you need so much rest and self-care. So much rest and self-care. This is no joke. Your tank needs to be completely full when you arrive because here's what we know about retreats. People's shit comes up. Like it gets real. You put a group of people somewhere isolated and take them on a spiritual journey, let alone into a foreign environment, sharing accommodation with people they don't know, doing more practice, let's face it, than they have probably for a really long time. If you teach yoga retreats and the people who come on them are your class cooler, the sangha that comes to your weekly classes, chances are they've never had a daily yoga practice, let alone maybe two yoga classes and a meditation class a day. They are under significant physical, mental, spiritual, emotional pressure. It's awesome. It's why we do retreats, but it is no joke and stuff will come up. So you need to be completely full so that you're not, um, you know, so that, so that in expending your energy to hold space for people as they go on their own journey, you're not taking yourself to a point of depletion that is very hard to recover from and also hard to show up as your highest self in the moment. So for me, I make sure that there is downtime before I go on retreat. In fact, uh, my team knows that we're working on, like I said earlier, this quite a substantial project at the moment. There's a lot of work to be done there. Um, it will launch while I'm away. Uh, I could be working right up until the 11th hour, making all of that happen before I get on a plane, except that I know and my team knows that I need more time than that to down tools, rest and renew so that I can show up and teach my retreat well. So we're putting a block on that. All of that project has to finish at least a week before Amy gets on the plane so that I'm not maxed out with busy work before that happens. So self-care and rest, sleep well, more body work. Make sure you're, you know, if you're a supplements person, up that. Uh, look at your diet, like more of all of the good stuff. Rest, play, practice, get yourself to more classes. Um, you know, you know, it's, it's, I can't emphasize this enough. Point number one, absolutely. In the lead up, definitely the week before your retreat, dial up the self-care and the rest. Point number two is what I've realized over time is that I need to pack in my suitcase whatever it is I need personally to keep me well while I'm away. I always recommend this to my students, but um, in the past, oftentimes when I've been teaching retreats, I have planned a period of travel around it so that uh, I don't necessarily have in mind when I'm packing exactly what I will need to keep myself well for that period of time and I've just kind of bumbled through based on what I happen to have in my suitcase. Now I'm far more intentional with what needs packed <clears throat> so that while I'm on retreat I feel great. So that it will be different for all of you. For some of you it might be a photograph of your guru. For other people it might be granola bars do you know what I mean like it doesn't actually matter I know there are certain clothing that like I'm gonna I, I, I have this robe my robes from Osho's meditation resort uh when I put that on I feel relaxed instantly relaxed that is my downtime clothing ain't no one seen me in that uh <laughs> I'm packing that so that when I'm finished up for the day or when I've got my afternoons off on my retreats I put that on and my body goes oh okay now we're in contemplative robes. 
we can be quiet, we can rest. That's part of the stuff that I'll be taking. I always take with me my micro Hanuman murti that I bought in Barcelona. It fits in my purse, kind of handy. Uh, because when I'm on retreat, heck knows, I need a little bit of Hanuman energy. Give me some cities, man. Give me some cities. I need some superpowers. Get me through this shit. <laughs> Remind me that I'm more than what I think I am. Uh, so, he, you know, he comes with me. Um, I, I pack coffee. You better believe it. I, and the good stuff. Because Jai, uh, Jai caffeine, just once in the morning, it's a big part of my spiritual journey, and ain't no Nescafe red cup, we love you, Thailand, happening to my body while I am on retreat. Hell no. Good quality Australian roasted coffee comes with me on retreat. I bring my cafeteria. I'm okay with it. <laughs> That's important to me. So consider what is it that you need for you to pack, not the stuff that you're going to use on retreat. Am I going to take light on yoga? Probably. Am I going to take my invocation cards? Probably. Will I have some printouts for the chellies there if we're going to chant that? Yes, probably. I'll definitely have my uh, retreat notebook that has all of my class sequences and my workshop format and all of that. That will come with me. But what about the stuff that I really need? I know I need Ben Kingsley narrating autobiography of a yogi on my iPhone because I don't sleep well generally. But definitely when I'm on retreat, I'm like buzzed and Bless him, Ben Kingsley knows what to do, particularly Chapter 4, Years in My Master's Hermitage, to put me back to sleep. That's coming with me. So what do you need to keep you well and make sure that you pack that? It's like your self-care kit for the road. No one else has to know about it. You know, it's your thing. If you need to bring sage to smudge with or if you need to bring your particular zazen or if you need to have... I don't know, a Gabby Bernstein book on hand, whatever your thing is, a candle, I don't know, your slippers. But whatever you need to feel well, make sure that that goes in the suitcase because you've got to stay great while you're away. Something else that we've started doing here with my team does for me that I love is they put together a dossier for me of everybody who's coming. So when people enroll in my retreat, I have uh, a welcome packet. It's quite a, I don't know, maybe ladies who are coming. If you know, off the top of your head, type it into the Q&A box. It's about an eight-page, nine-page document. Um, oh, uh, Sheila, Sheila, I hope you can still hear me. I don't know if anyone else is having sound trouble. I can't do anything my end. It looks okay, my end, Sheila. It might be you. I hope not. I hope you're all okay, folks. Just uh, give me some feedback in the Q&A if people are still having trouble i know we i had a headset glitch but i think we resolved it sorry sheila oh, okay so so they fill out a welcome packet the welcome packet comprises of a contract that says this is what i'm going to do this is what you're going to do we both sign it it includes my terms and conditions so i'm very clear it's written in nice 12 point font plain english everybody knows when they say yep i'm coming amy uh what my job is what their job is and what happens if something goes cattywampus that one I definitely take a stand for. The welcome packet also has like the packing list. It's what I recommend you bring. It has stuff about here's where you get a power adapter. Here's where you get money out the bank. Here's where we're going to meet. Here's what you do if your flight is delayed and you can't make the meeting point. All of that sort of information. And then it also has about a two-page questionnaire 
about all the stuff I want to know about the people who are coming on my retreat. So there's a little bit of stuff in there about their business and what their goals are for the retreat. But way more importantly, because I can ask them that and we do in the opening circle on the first night, way more importantly for me from a preparedness perspective is stuff like, what are you allergic to? What can't you eat? What, what sort of person do you want to share a room with? Do you snore? Are you taking any medication? Do you have any other health stuff you want to tell me about first? This is a really great question, folks. Have you ever been on a retreat before? Because you want to know that. I mean, if it's your, I remember my first retreat was kind of harrowing. <laughs> awesome. Life changing. We wouldn't be having this conversation this morning had I not taken that retreat. But it was no easy journey. I want to know that about people ahead of time. What are they frightened of? I've never been to Thailand before. I've never traveled before. I've never been on a plane. Um, you know, I want to know that stuff ahead of time. And I also ask them as a part of that process to submit a photograph of themselves. Why? Because my team mashes all of that data into one fabulous document that I print out and I have with me on the day where we meet up at the meeting point to get into the vans to drive to the retreat center. Because that means when they show up, I know who they are and I can greet them by name and instantly they feel more reassured. So many people, I was one of them on my first ever retreat, arrive at the thing like, I don't know anyone, I don't know if I fit in. Everyone seems to know everybody else. Oh my God, is this the right thing to do? Conversely, you rock up at my place, ready to get in the van and I'm like, hey, look, it's Susan. Hey, Susan, come on over. Can I get you a drink? We've got a couple of minutes before we're going to load the vans and head off. So that document is so important. It helps me match roommates. It helps me brief the retreat center. She can't have peanuts. She can't have shellfish. She doesn't do eggs, all of that sort of stuff. Um, and it means that I can be really personal from personable from the get-go, which is so reassuring and gets everybody off to a great start. Uh, let me see who else is here. I'll take a pause from my points. <laughs> uh, Molly wants to know, how do you promote Molly in Chicago? Yay. Hey, Molly, is Chicago the windy city? Is that the name for Chicago? Have I mixed up my cities? It's a nice place. You've got a real, I remember you had a really good Whole Foods in Chicago. Uh, Molly wants to know, how do you promote and get people excited about the retreat? Great question, Molly. We'll get to that at the end of my points if we have time. Um, oh, nice. Hey, ladies. So cool. Um, Sheila says, it's all good. I'll, I'll listen into the replay. Thinking of you, Sheila, I saw your little post about your GoFundMe campaign. Love to have an update on that. Um, all right, so let's move on. So just to recap, points one through three. One, self-care and rest. Two, pack what you need. No one else needs to see it, but make sure that you're taken care of. If you need to have dark chocolate in your suitcase so that every night at the end you're like, man, I got through it. I'm going to just smash me some chocolate and watch Netflix on my iPhone. Don't judge yourself while you're on retreat. I remember being in a training in Hong Kong with Anna Forrest. And um, it was a residential teacher training at, I think it was at Pure Yoga, like in 2013. And um, and, and everybody on the lunch breaks were, were was <laughs> was going and buying, like, I'm just going to eat like a whole bunch of raw kale for lunch because I'm so pure and I'm so committed to anaphores. <laughs> you know, there was all of this, like, those zealots, real zealots. Um, because you get a bit like that, right? You get so fired up and pumped with your first 200-hour TT, especially when you're with someone as powerful as Anna Forrest. And I remember her actually saying uh, in one of the sessions, 
now is not the right time to radically overhaul your diet, even though you're inspired. Now is not the right time to radically change your spiritual practice. Now is just the time to freaking survive. Now is the time to do whatever you need, show up, be attentive, take a truckload of notes, practice, learn this stuff, and come back again and do it all tomorrow. (laughs) And the same is true for you as the yoga teacher on retreat. Whatever you need to do to feel well, do it. You know, I remember when I used to teach retreats in Bali, the the resort that I would rent for my retreats, I always made sure that I had like a villa that had a a walled kind of a, a big wall around it, a little plunge pool and a big wall around it. So at the end of the night, I could go into my little villa and shut the gate and no one could come in. I, I'm a, a highly sensitive person, folks, full out empath. And that wall, I mean, it was amazing. I'm an empath with to the point where the light on an air conditioning unit, I know that I can stick a sanitary napkin over that thing so that I cut, so that I know even with my sleep mask on that the light isn't shining and I can go to sleep. Like I, I'm no joke. Uh, anyway, uh, and this particular retreat, we had one woman join us and she, she was <clears throat> special and sent to me by God to help me forge my spiritual path, let's just say. And my sister, love her, Laura, you're awesome. Uh, she came on my retreat as my assistant that time. at that time. And we knew that after meditation, we would walk in noble silence, Mona, slowly and gently back to my villa. We would close the gate. And we would drink beer. <laughs> like, my God, the, is the guy restocked the minibar? I hope so, because get the bottle open, sister. We are sitting down and sinking a beer. Uh, that's what we needed at the time to survive that opportunity for spiritual development. So, you know, do what you need. I'm not saying, like, you know, go on a bender or something. But if you need to read a romance novel before you get up and teach if you need to tell your people oh i'm going for a bike ride when they say would you like to join us for afternoon tea do it be yourself pack what you need Uh, and i also really recommend prepare yourself a a dossier that's got everybody's basic info ask them those sorts of pragmatic questions it'll make everybody's journey better and make sure that everybody gives you a photo so that when they rock up you can be all over them and in love with them and they feel safe from the outset point number four something that i do now every time uh, for my thailand retreat is we have a video hookup for everybody who's registered so that everybody can get on the phone at the, or on the video call at the same time and actually see and talk to each other again i think that i really believe that Uh, Retreat time is such special time and the less time we need to dedicate to people simply feeling comfortable-ish with each other, the better, more time we can go into the deep dive. So we have, we set up a video conference call for everybody. It goes for about an hour so that everybody like Brady Bunch style can see each other and and hear each other. Uh, We do an introduction. Who are you? What do you teach? Where are you coming from? What do you want to get from the retreat? So everybody has a little bit of time to to acclimatize to the group dynamics. Then I run through pretty much the welcome packet and reiterate some important points. Make sure that you wear this. Make sure that your knees are covered in the village, this sort of thing. And then I throw it open and and ask, you know, now is the time to ask all of your crazy questions. Can I brush my teeth with the tap water? do I, can I get money at the airport? Can I get a SIM card? Can I get a, you know, credit for my cell phone, my handphone at the airport? What happens if my flight is delayed? Can you please make sure that you 
put me in a room with someone else who snores because I snore? Did I tell you that I'm allergic to gluten? Can you please make sure that there's no gluten in my food? All of that stuff comes out. Is it okay that I don't do inversions? Um, should I bring my computer? All of these questions come out. People, uh, people feel safe enough to ask questions that they may have judged as silly because I make sure they do. And everybody else benefits from that call. So I would recommend that as well. If you're going on a retreat that is more than just, you know, like a come to Costa Rica and come to Mexico or come to Bali for five nights of relaxation, sitting by the pool and a bit of yoga. If you want to take people, if, if your retreats are more about taking people on a deep dive journey and whatever that looks like, life purpose, uh, embracing menopause, uh, recovering from loss, business, whatever your thing is, uh, teacher training, um, then I would recommend getting people together virtually ahead of time so that you can do some of that ice-breaking work, again, to help create the container before you even set off on the journey. And also, by allowing people the opportunity to ask those sorts of practical questions, they are going to feel so much more reassured and safe when they get there. If I know from experience now, I think this is the fifth Abundant Yoga Teacher Retreat I've done in Thailand, there are a whole bunch of parents who come on these retreats that have had to go through a complex set of arrangements so that they can be on a retreat and their kids are well taken care of at home. They have so much anxiety about that. They have guilt. They have fear. They have like there's a there's a big soup of emotions that go on when a parent decides I'm going to go on a holiday. I'm using air quotes that don't translate to audio. On a holiday to Asia, I'm going to leave my kids at home and I'm going to take time for myself. That's a really big jump for a lot of the parents who come on my retreat. And they have a big soup of emotions about it. But if we get on this Zoom call and they say, hey, Amy, can I get phone credit? Can I get data credit at the airport? I say, yeah. And they say, and can I get a signal and FaceTime my family every day? And I say, absolutely, you can. There's a bunch of places that you can do that in private. Instantly, they feel better. They feel calmer. They feel more uh, empowered about the choice they've made. They have less doubt and uncertainty that they're doing the right thing. So I really recommend um, if you're taking people on some kind of a deep dive, if you can get them together ahead of time, that's a really good thing. If if your if your retreat is largely filled with your studentship, you could do that in person. You could have a you know a chai, one hour chai and bliss ball situation at your studio on a Sunday afternoon for like a come and meet your retreat participants, check in, ask me dumb questions. Um, and I'm not saying that all retreats are going to be catastrophic or that you, my retreats are blissful. I freaking can't wait to get back there. We're going to have the best time. Uh, but I really do, having been the girl who spends the first few days of a retreat convinced that she's made a mistake because everyone else is awesome and she's not, <laughs> what have I done? Uh, I want to eliminate any of that as soon as I can for my participants. And I find that that hookup ahead of time does put people at ease. My last point, uh, this is my pitter on pitter point. So I'm pitter, pitter, pitter and pitter, Leo, snake, pitter, pitter, which means um, <laughs> when I go to, this is a TMI opportunity, folks, just a heads up. When I go to a foreign country that is humid, and I think it's going to be like monsoonal, you know, 100% humidity and sort of 40 degrees Celsius. Awesome. Which as a pitter woman, uh it's kind of like just living in a Bikram yoga class. I love it. It's really bad for me. It spins me out into imbalance and I freaking love it because that's what Leo Snake Pitta women 
go for it. Give me a Jai 5 in the Q&A box if you fit into that category. Anyway, uh, so to help me look, like not quite be so messy by the time I get to Thailand, um, I like to arrive in country a few days ahead of time so that I can get over my jet lag, I can acclimatize, I can, you know, my, my body gets used to sweating that much. Um, I can do things like maybe do I need to pick up a few extra, um, you know, clothes to wear in the village. For us, we were in a, in a uh, more traditional village than, say, you would be in, in the cities or the tourist destinations. You know, there are a couple of things I need to pick up. Um, start to eat the food, start to get my body used to rice because we don't do grains here at Amy McDonald HQ. <laughs> That's a process. Um, and, and just really settle into country time, wherever you're going, you know, tends to be, in my experience, we take people on retreats, not Sam Seegers, she takes people to Japan, but um, for many of us, when we take people on retreat, we take them to places where time actually moves more slowly by design, right? That's a great thing. Uh, you know, if I'm on, if I'm on Thailand time, I need to learn that I'm going to get half as much done in twice as much time. That's just how stuff rolls. Uh, you know, it's, it's island time. It's, um, it, it's NT time. Where you know, your place where you take your people, probably time goes a little slower. So arriving a few days earlier helps me drop into that energy, um, helps me acclimatize, helps me deal with my jet lag. Uh, there's nothing worse than you arrive the same, the day of your retreat and you've got a four hour time difference and you can't sleep until 1am and you've got to get up at five to teach at 6.30 and, and you know, you're all out of whack and you can't be present for your students. So that would be my final point. They're my five points, folks. Uh, let me run through them quickly again and be jumping in and asking your questions, everyone who's here live. I wanted to make sure that we had extra time for um, some business coaching. So if you have any business yoga business questions that you'd like my support with, type them into the Q&A box. Or if you're on the web call, you can uh, press the raise hand emoji and I can unmute you or go through them that way. While you're doing that, I'll quickly recap my points. One, self-care and rest. Two, pack what you personally need in addition to everything else. Three, prepare a document that's got all of the personal information about your participants, including their photograph, and have it with you uh, as you welcome people. If you have a pickup point or as you, you know, they're checking into your hotel or however you do it. Four, have some kind of before we go meeting with everybody where people can get to know each other a little bit and ask you all of the ding dong questions that's going to reassure them. Uh, so they feel safer and more comfortable when they arrive. And then five, arrive at your location for international retreats. Arrive at your location um, a few days early so that you can acclimatize and feel really great and present and not as sweaty <laughs> uh, when your retreat kicks off. All right, let's see who's got some. I hope they're useful. Let me know in the Q&A box if they've been useful. Let's see. Who's got some yoga business coaching questions that I can help you with on a Thursday morning? Um, Molly's question. How do you promote and get people excited about the retreat? Molly, there is this is a stonker of a question. I love it. Uh, I could talk. I could do a whole podcast about it and still probably not give you all the stuff. Um, but essentially... Um, how do you so the, like the, the best way, Molly, to fill to promote and get people excited about your retreat 
is to be excited about your retreat yourself. I freaking love my yoga retreat. I cannot wait to be back there. It is the best thing that I do in my business. It's one of the best things that I do in my freaking life. When I'm there, I pinch myself regularly like, dang, do I get to do this for a living? Like, for real? Uh, it's awesome. I've got to say, the women who are coming on this retreat, amazing. I am so blessed that this group of yoginis, yogi superstars, are coming to hang out with me and each other. This is through the roof. Uh, I feel so good about it. I feel so excited about it. I cannot wait to share the place with people who haven't been there before. I cannot wait to hug the woman who manages the kitchen. You know, the, this woman is like a powerhouse. She's been doing it for 15 years. She's, I can't wait to give her a hug. We've got like five words in common. It doesn't matter. We can't wait to see each other again. She loves my group because they're so grateful and fabulous. I can't wait to, you know, see that one of the founders of the retreat center, she, she, they have a new baby and her baby will be six months older. I can't wait for that. I can't wait to lie on my veranda of my, my accommodation and look at the cat who's trying to steal the cushion and all of it, you know, walk through the rice field, all of it. I cannot wait. I'm so, so excited. So, the more, the more magnetic, um, let me rephrase, the more excited you are about your retreat, the more magnetic the retreat is for people. You've got to feel, for real, this is, you cannot contrive this. It must be genuine. You've got to feel so pumped about it that you are telling everybody. You can confidently stand at the top of your class and say, folks, I've got a retreat coming up. It is going to be amazing. I am so excited about it. I really want you there. I think you're going to love it. You've got to feel that good about it. It's like infatuation. You've got to be infatuated with your retreat and then it becomes magnetic. Any hesitancy that you have about it, check in with that. What's going on there? Why are you hesitating? Why do you feel a lack of confidence in talking about it with people? Is it actually the right venue for you? Is it actually the right dates for you? Do you really actually want to do it at all? Is it the price point? Have you undercharged it and you feel icky about that? What's going on? Why? There is, this goes for anything that you offer ever, folks. If there is any any sense of, um, if there is ever any sense of, oh, I feel a little uncomfortable about this, then maybe something's not quite right with the retreat itself. I, I, I've been there. Uh, I planned a retreat once. It tanked, actually. We cancelled it. Ended a friendship, to be perfectly honest. If you want to know more about that, go buy my home study course about <laughs> retreats. Um, but the, the, I was partnering with a friend and she was, at the time, really into five rhythm stance and spiritual movement and, and now she's like soul motion. And me and Brandon Walsh, right, I don't dance. It's like that. Like, it's really like that. Even at the wedding after too many bad Chardonnays, I'm staying in my chair. And that is a blessing to the universe, let me tell you. Uh, so I was co-teaching this, this retreat, or planning to, with, with me teaching the yoga and the meditation and her teaching dance. And I felt uncomfortable talking about it because I don't know how to talk about dance. I mean, staccato, are you kidding? Amy doesn't know how to lose control. Did I mention Pitter on Pitter, Leo, Leo Snake? Like, there is none of that going on for me. I'm zipped up. Uh, and that felt weird and it was difficult for me to talk about it. And so I don't think I was as magnetic as I couldn't, I could have been. Sure, I got in, people enrolling, uh, but not at a level that made me feel good. So that would, you know, it, just be mindful of that. You've got to be so lit up and excited about it that it's a hell yes 
for you and that is going to be the primary appeal for the people that you talk to about it. Cat says, Sam says, is there a cat? I'm even more excited now. Oh, Sam, there's lots of cats. Yeah, there's lots of cats. There's, oh, there's a really lovely white dog. I know you're more of a cat person, Sam. But yes, there are cats. Um, Sam says she's made it just in time for the summary. Yay, I'm so excited about the retreat too. We're going to have the best time, Sam, honestly. Alison, hey, Alison says, hi, Amy, and listening to this brings back such great memories for me. I just love this Thailand retreat and still keep in touch with most of the girls. My favorite moaning, mo moments for me were the morning yoga and the bike riding. Folks, Alison, who came, was it the last one, Alison, came to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Retreat. When we're on retreat, the retreat center that I hire, it's spread across a village, and so you have to move between different parts of the village. And there's about, I don't know, a kilometer maybe between the retreat with the accommodation for everybody the guest house and where I stay where we feed people and where we do our classes in the morning and so uh, there is a truckload of bikes to get around or to ride through the rice fields in the afternoon or ride to the temple or you know people get around on on these <laughs> big heavy uh, fixie kind of bikes and Alice I'm going to share this Alice I'm sorry uh, that's what happens when you come on retreat with me <laughs> Alison told us that she'd never ridden a bike before um, and she totally overcame her fear of bike riding, nailed it. And I have this great photograph, um, it'll be, I think it's on my Insta, if uh, you go find it folks, Amy Yoga Biz Coach on Insta, of Alison nailing it and riding her bike and not only just riding her bike but like totally pulling off the whole Elizabeth, Elizabeth Gilbert factor like you would not believe. I think that in the photo you even have like this sun hat on and a scarf and she's just like killing it. I love it, Alison. It's one of my favorite memories as well. <laughs> hey, I was thinking of you yesterday, Alison, because I'm still listening to your CD in my car. Thank you so much for sending me that. I love it when you guys send me gifts. I'm so lucky, Alison says, yes, it was in January this year, Alison. My goodness, that seems like such a long time ago. Christine in London. Hey, Christine, great to see you here. Uh, Christine says, how do you find a great venue and location? Great question, Christine. Um, I So the venue and the location is fundamental to your profit margin. So, um, Christine, this is going to go on to your second question. They absolutely come together. I my, my sense of it, Christine, is that my personal approach is that the, um, the, the more affordable the venue, the greater the uh, profit for you. Now, that doesn't mean that you pick somewhere that is cheap and yucky, um, but affordable and has the right vibration for you, absolutely. When I used to teach retreats in Bali, we, um, we I'm conscious of time, I can't tell you the whole story. It's a good one. Go get the retreat program, folks, if you want to know the whole story. But we, we, we booked this resort sight unseen. We looked at it on the internet, looked amazing, booked it, really affordable, great. I think the rooms were going to work out to about $40 Australian per person per night. Doable. Book it. And when we got there, three days before we went on a recce, <laughs> three days before we went on a recce to check this place out, oh, holy crap. The people, because it's Bali, were really nice. And everything else was, let's just say, kind of tired. <laughs> so on that uh, we went for lunch because you know it has a restaurant we just everyone can just order from the menu every night on the retreat we'll just pay the bill at the end it's going to be great we order lunch and hell no 
Am I letting my retreat participants eat that food? It's friendly. It had some nice hand-carved, you know, tomato roses, but hell no. Am I serving that food on my retreat? Um, and then, like, you know, we did a, a cruise around of the room, so we did this kind of quick thing of, okay, before our people come, you need to buy new towels for every room that we've rented. New, big, fluffy, white towels. They need to be folded into the shape of a swan with an orchid on them on the bed when everybody arrives. We need you to make a fruit platter for everybody and have it in the room when our people, like, we did everything, all of the quick fixes we could do to bump up the star rating you know and then every night we ordered in raw vegan food from a cafe uh like half an hour away some dude came on a moped and brought the dinner and he brought, he delivered it to the kitchen they put it on plate so it looked like they made it there and then they brought it out and everybody was very very happy so you know you can you all of this to say christine that um you, the venue that you choose doesn't have to be perfect uh, but if you can find something that is more affordable, it means that your profit margin is greater. Um, to your second, and I also don't recommend, Christine, that you blow in three days ahead of time and go, fuck, and have to figure it out. I mean, we did this ridiculous, like we, we hired a driver to take us back into Tempestar for the day so that we could buy enough granola and nuts and raw cacao and coconut oil and everything we could think of because there was no way I was having like that nasty goring served to my people for breakfast. We, we bought all of the health foods in all of Dempasar back to the retreat center so that we could make up the breakfast that we actually wanted people to have because the menu was just like, Wah! like no tinned pineapple. Thank you on a fried egg. That is not, that is not on brand for me. Probably tasty, uh, but not a man. Uh, and then as far as the money goes, Christine, um, I don't pay myself a percentage. I um, I uh, I don't pay myself a percentage. I um, I have a requirement of a lump sum. So um, you, you get to pick what's right for you. When I my first retreat I ever did, the one I just described with the nasi goreng and the fluffy towels, I think we both walked away with two thousand dollars. I've never worked that hard in my life, uh, and and I was extremely thrilled that I had cash in my pocket at the end because of all of the setbacks and all the stuff that we got wrong and um, the fact that I, I thought at that time it was like I got paid to learn, mostly learning what not to do. Um, but I thought that was an incredibly beneficial practice. Uh, there was a whole lot of work. There was a whole other thing that we did at the front end of it to, to find people because I didn't have a community to offer it to. But, you know, I came out with two grand. These days, you've got to be kidding. Ain't no way I would teach a retreat for $2,000 profit. Um, you know, it's got a zero on the end of it now, and that's my that's my mandatory requirement. But, but my business is at a different place now. So, Christine, I think what I would recommend and what I re do recommend in the um, Amazing Retreat Time Study Program is that at, at the beginning you get clear on how much money do you want to end up with as a profit at the end and then work it backwards from there. So that means I need this many people. That means I need to spend this much per head on the venue. That means I want to spend this much on extra activities and food and whatever. That means I'm going to fly myself business or coach, you know, all of that sort of stuff, and then work it to the price point for your people to pay so that you end up with that profit margin. It's going to be different for everybody. Everybody has a different um, intention from a business perspective for their retreat. So um, 
when I first taught that retreat in Bali, my business, our desired business outcome was to sell one-to-one on, on the retreat itself, which I did. I think everybody bought one actually um, for $150, which felt staggering to me at the time. And then also to sell uh, life coaching, which was what I was doing um, afterwards. And I think I sold two packages for, I don't know, $1,500. That was my business goal. And so it made it worthwhile. Plus being paid to learn <laughs> what not to do to teach a retreat. These days I have a different business goal for my retreats and they're priced differently as a result. What I will say, just to finish up on this one, what I will say about um, finding the right venue, Christine, uh, I think a lot of people can get seduced into it's got to be luxury so that I can charge a certain price point. It's got to look really fancy. It's got to be really special. And I really want to take a stand for this because special is different for everybody. The retreat center that I take my people to, for me personally, not for everybody, there are people who have come that they don't jive with it. But for me personally, you can have the, you know, you can have the four seasons. You can have the, I don't know, whatever the whatever your fancy hotel is. I, I could care less about there's five pools and 20 restaurants and an all night. I, I don't care about that. I would so much prefer to be in this space where I've got to flush the toilet with a bucket because this is my, this is me. This is my this place has such a vibration and an energy to it that I can't even put it into words. I mean, being in that space literally has changed my life multiple times. Every time I turn up, it is like coming home and I feel grounded and connected and close in with spirit. I don't care about thread counts. I could give a shit about room service. You know, all of this to say that what's special for me is special for, is not going to be special for someone else. But you come on that retreat, you get one hard single bed you get one cotton sheet the place where that we practice yoga on i'm going to sweep it every day because it is got a garden in the middle of it and it's a concrete floor there are mosquitoes you can't drink the tap water you got to flush the toilet with a bucket uh you got to take it in turns in the showers because there ain't a whole lot of them and if you and if you want to wash your underwear on retreat you do it in a bucket at the back and <clears throat> and my retreat costs three and a half thousand dollars thank you very much and i feel great about it because for me taking people to that place and putting them in that environment is such a transformative and alchemical part of my retreat. Uh, and, and I don't, I feel that actually that type of experience is priceless and it doesn't mean that I'm dropping the, I don't think, Oh, I could never charge that much because you know, they have to ride a bike to get to, there's no golf cart to pick them up. They have to roll out their own sticky mat and the mattresses are quite hard. Uh, uh-uh. That's part of it. So whatever venue you choose, folks, own it. Like I was saying with with Molly before, own it, love it, be captivated by it, be infatuated about it, know that it is right for the right people um, and don't let what you might be fearful of someone else thinking cloud your judgment about how that should be reflected in the price point. Andrea says, um, Finally, a universal solution to all those annoying as hell lights. No more balancing on chairs in the middle of the night trying to cover it up. I can live my life in peace. Thank you. Oh, Andrea, you're talking about the sanitary napkin solution? I'll tell you. I carry a bag of like overnight pads, like the thick ones, just for air conditioning lights. I got you, girl. I, I, my Manduka travel mat, it worked a lot more as a window cover than a, sticky, like a, than a yoga mat. 
I'll, like word. I, I, I'm hearing you. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, 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 Andrea, this one's for you. I've taken rolls of aluminium foil in my bag to to do like block out curtains, particularly in London. What the hell is London? Does it ever get dark? Far out. Yeah, like you'll see blue tack and a roll of alfoil in my bag if I'm going to London for the windows. I'm not joking. You know, I mean, yeah, I got you, girl. Um, and Sam knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> do what needs doing, right? There's power in knowing yourself. Okay, folks. Hey, Susan's here. Hey, Susan. Hope you're doing great. I can't wait to see the sales page for your retreat in Tampa coming up. So excited for you. Ladies, as always, thank you so much for joining me live. It always pumps up my tires when I get to spend my Thursday morning with all of you doing such powerful work in the world. Uh, if you're do, doing a retreat, I hope these points have been useful, uh, even for workshops or masterclasses or even just getting back into teaching if it's been a while. You know, these points uh, can work for you there as well. Remember, ultimately our job is to just love, love, love all over what we do and to share that with other people. And when you do that and you let go of the attachment of what other people might be saying about you or about that, uh, that's when you're in service. That's when, you know, Shakti is flowing. That's when you're, you're most connected to your highest self. And, and of course, that's where you're going to be most successful and satisfied in your yoga business. Take care, everybody. Uh, thanks again for joining me. I absolutely am so grateful for your energy, your feedback. Uh, it's made my day. Have a beautiful rest of whatever time it is for you. Uh, I'll speak to you again next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>